my credit card was about to expire. And before it did, I got a new one in the mail. Just like that, I didn't even have to request it. Wasn't that thoughtful of the credit card company? They're so interested in helping me. The credit card came with this little sticker across the front to activate your account, call 1-800-whatever from your home phone. So I had the card in my hand. But if I had taken it to the store and tried to buy something with it, it wouldn't have worked. It was unable to fulfill the purpose for which it was created. Until I activated my account, the card was useless. Before Jesus left them, he had told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem to be clothed with power from on high. He had promised them a holy advocate, a holy comforter to walk alongside them. They had spent the last three years or so walking alongside Jesus, but that period of training had ended. Now they've graduated, and it was almost time to apply what they had learned. But their account had not yet been activated. Back in the winter, our family had the opportunity to join a fruit and vegetable co-op this year. We were told that it would start at the end of May, and so we signed the paper and we waited. Well, in the last two weeks, the harvest has begun. We have received lettuce and potatoes and strawberries and cherries and tomatoes. In Acts 2, all the various peoples were gathered in Jerusalem. They were likely there for this feast of Pentecost. In the Old Testament, it's called the Festival of Weeks. And it's those seven seven weeks after Passover for them is Pentecost. And it's the celebration of the spring harvest. All were gathered together. And so while they were gathered to observe this agricultural harvest, God was preparing a kingdom harvest, a harvest in which no one was excluded. Well, the endeavor left and came back, and the Atlantis is preparing for its final journey. And I think to experience the launch of a space shuttle must be amazing, quite a symphony for the senses. The countdown heightens the mental and emotional anticipation. At five seconds, the rockets ignite, and then there's the blast to the eyes and the ears. Four, three, two, one, and the smoke billows outward while the ground and the viewers vibrate as the shuttle lifts off. Eventually, you'd smell the fumes from all the the fuel that's being used as this huge tons and tons of equipment goes up off the ground. To get to just that point, I think we can't imagine all the work and the preparation that prepares for that launch. So it is 
as the promised spirit enters the place where the disciples had been obediently waiting. The writer seems to struggle with how to even explain such an event and offers it to us as a sound like the rush of a violent wind that filled the entire house where they were sitting. So the ears were first shocked into attention, and then the eyes were invited to the party. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. It spread from the ears to the eyes to their whole bodies. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. What a launch for the church. Explosive. Just like the space shuttle. Powerful. Meaningful. Far-reaching. Power can be used in at least two ways, according to one author. It can be unleashed, or it can be harnessed. The energy in 10 gallons of gasoline, for instance, can be released explosively by dropping a lighted match into the can. Or, it can be channeled through the engine of my Toyota in a controlled burn and used to transport me 350 miles. Explosions are spectacular, but controlled burns have lasting effect, staying power. The Holy Spirit works both ways. At Pentecost, the Spirit explodes onto the scene. The Spirit's presence was like tongues of fire. That's why we have the red pyramids for Pentecost, fire. Thousands were affected by one burst of God's power. But the Spirit also works through the church. The institution God launched that day to tap the Holy Spirit's power for the long haul. Through worship, through fellowship, through service, Christians are provided with that staying power. Quaker author Douglas Steer used the phrase, the power of sustained attentiveness. I didn't hear it in its original context, but I liked the phrase so much that I wrote it down at one point. Excuse me. Douglas Steer was deeply interested in the pursuit of of a growing, fulfilling relationship with God. And so I assume he used it to describe the power and strength that we gain from sustained attentiveness to God. But the phrase, too, relates to other people and our attention to other people. Later this year, Calvary will celebrate 120 years of sustained attentiveness to downtown Roanoke and beyond. When we sit with someone lying in a hospital or nursing home, and don't ask questions or even try to explain things, that is a different kind of sustained attentiveness. When we listen to someone pouring out his or her heart because of sadness or frustration, and just sit there, that is sustained attentiveness. 
It's challenging, this sustained attentiveness. But I get the feeling that that's what the disciples were doing when they were in the upper room. And that sustained attentiveness bore fruit, which we know as Pentecost. And then we have the Holy Spirit to help us with that slow burn, that controlled burn, in which the church attempts by small actions to be a beacon to the community. The Holy Spirit's presence in our lives enables us to attain peace even when we are in a hyperactive state of busyness. And the Spirit has imbued us with gifts to help us in all these things that we are doing. Two missionaries from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints came to the door last week. And it was different. Something I noticed that was different this time from other times is other times I felt like they were just kind of giving me information. But I think they've changed their tactics because they asked me a question to, I think, engage me in conversation. So their question was about our purpose in the world. What do you think our purpose in the world is? My fumbling response had something to do with helping each other and taking care of each other. And then as I reread this first part of chapter 12 from 1 Corinthians that Randy read, I felt affirmed in that because the New Revised Standard Version says it like this in verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And think about that term, for the common good, not for our own personal benefit, though our gifts benefit us as well, but for the common good, for the good of the body of Christ, the church, that church that was launched that day. Now Paul's letter to the Corinthians is written to a church troubled by divisions. Most of us probably have people that we put on a pedestal, but some of the Corinthians were putting themselves on a pedestal. And Paul was encouraging them to not see each other hierarchically, but equally, on the same level. Don't see your wealth as making you more important than someone who has to work a long day and can't make it until the Lord's Supper celebration till late when all the food's gone. That's chapter 11. Here's chapter 12 in which Paul's encouraging them to appreciate each other's gifts on an equal level. Don't see any as more important than the others. So wisdom is as important as knowledge, which is as important as faith, which is as important as the gift of healing, and so on. And Paul writes, all these are activated by one and the same Spirit. So you see where the sermon title comes from? All these are activated by one and the same Spirit who allots to each one individually just as the Spirit chooses. What is your gift? If you don't know, the church office has surveys that you can take to help figure that out. These are not the only gifts 
that are considered spiritual gifts here in 1 Corinthians 12. If you do know your gifts or your gift, how are you using it? Have you activated your account? Fear grips our wrists behind our backs sometimes. And that's one reason that I think we have the Holy Spirit, that God has provided the Spirit for us. You think about little children. When we were little, we never would have learned to walk unless we tried. Pulled ourselves up on the chair or our parents' hand, and how many times did we fall? Luckily, our parents didn't keep track and give us a hard time about it later, we hope. But I would venture to say that most of us fell down quite a few times before we really got the hang of putting one foot in front of the other and taking those steps. We kept getting up after the failures and eventually learned to walk and then run. Reader's Digest had a story about Jim Burke, who had become the new um, head of or head of a new products division at Johnson and Johnson, and one of his first projects was the development of a children's chest rub, and the product failed miserably. So Burke expected that he would be fired. When he was called in to see the chairman of the board, though, he met a surprising reception. Robert Wood Johnson said, are you the one who just cost us all that money? Well, I just wanted to congratulate you, he continued. If you are making mistakes, then that means you are taking risks. And we won't grow unless you take risks. Years later, Burke himself became chairman of Johnson & Johnson and continued to spread that word. You know, that's comforting to hear, isn't it? That we're supposed to take risks. I thought we were supposed to be safe. I think Calvary has been a safe church. We haven't taken too many risks. And we always have the opportunity to ask ourselves, are we doing then what God wants us to do? Are we being who God wants us to be? Just like the Holy Spirit launched the church that day from a small group of disciples, God has launched Calvary Baptist Church in the past and is available to relaunch Calvary Baptist Church into the future. God can do some powerful things through this congregation, but it's going to take this willingness to fail. It's going to take a willingness to move out of our cushioned seats, to get out into the neighborhood instead of staying inside where it's air-conditioned. Yesterday was the day that Judy and George, that I mentioned earlier, got married. And at their wedding, I was reminded of the fact that relationships, you know, a marriage is just a step in a relationship. And from that point forward, the couple has to grow together. And if they don't grow together, they will grow apart. And the same is true in a church. 
if we're not taking risks and opening up to each other, if we're not being ourselves with all our shortcomings, we're not growing. And I don't mean numbers. Numbers are not what's important. I mean we want to be growing in our relationship with God. We want to be growing in our relationship with each other. That fear is just like those people who sneered in Acts 2. It says, all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. They are drunk. Nine o'clock in the morning, Paul reminds them, which happens from time to time, I'm sure, with people. But the disciples that day, it was something else that was giving them a giddiness, something else that was giving them an openness that they had not experienced before. And some people do have that response from alcohol. But this was something different. This, they were empowered with the Spirit of God. And likewise, we will be mocked when we fail. People will insult us, People will fight with us, or people will just ignore us. And yet we want to remember Peter. Because it hasn't been but a couple of months since Peter was telling Jesus how he was going to stand firm to the end, he would be with him all the way, and then he denies him three times. But here, less than two months later, here's Peter preaching before all these people and telling them what's really happening. What does this mean, they ask? Peter says, let me tell you what this means. Let me tell you my interpretation. And your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. It is a new day. God has come to this earth in a powerful way. Let me tell you about it. Let's remember Peter. Because that same spirit is active in us today. That same spirit activates the account in us. What if Peter had played it safe and kept silent? What if he chose not to take the risk? What if he ignored the Holy Spirit's presence and just kept waiting? Maybe there's something else. Maybe this isn't it. That's not the spirit. That's not what Jesus promised. What if he chose to keep his gifts hidden and to leave his account inactive like that credit card on which I hadn't made the phone call yet? But all these gifts are activated by one and the same Spirit. Are you ready? Are you ready for the Holy Spirit to activate your account? Are you ready? Let's make the call together. Shall we pray? Lord, our God, your power is beyond our comprehension, and we resist you so often, but you do not forsake us. Thank you for your forgiveness and for the clean slate that you offer to us and for the power and hope that you provide for your Holy Spirit that continues to touch us and activate us today. 
Lord, we thank you for what Jesus taught us, and we thank you for coming after him and continuing us to remind, I mean, continuing to remind us of all the things that he taught us. We pray then, O oh God, that you would be active in us, even as we begin again today, and even as we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever.